Isn't this interesting how the very celestial bodies, the heavenly orbs that are out there, obey their creator's command? Oh, that we would be like them. Not like the straying, not all of them, because not like the straying asteroids that uh, crash into the planets or fizzle out into the sun. Praise be the name of the Lord. Now we're going to continue with our study of Ephesians, and we're going to continue especially on the topic of work or the Christian work ethic. Part two. Now I'll say by way of uh, review. Uh, going back to last time, two weeks ago, that uh, there's a need for this. And though it would appear like there were only slaves back in the time of the Apostle Paul when this was written, that's not true. It's not the case at all. Because behind those slaves were masters, and of course they're talked about as well. Behind those are the employers, as it were, of their time. Uh, the uh, Upper class corporate owners, although there weren't really corporations back then, but there was big government, as I mentioned to you. There was um, Uncle Caesar, just like we have today, Uncle Sam. But there were a lot of capitalism going on. Small business owners, and I mentioned some names like Mr. Barber, Mr. Brewer, Mr. Cook, Mr. Farmer, Mr. Fisher. Mr. Gardner, Mr. Hunter, Mr. Mason, Mr. Piper, Mr. Skinner, Mr. Weaver, Mr. Taylor, etc. And I say that because all those are actual last names of people today. <laughs> and who knows if maybe some had their family start back then. And yet half the population were slaves. They were the workforce. And they weren't paid a whole lot if they were paid at all. Yet they were the ones who were first to receive the gospel of the grace of God, by and large. As uh, is said in the scriptures, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not, the, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he had promised to them that love him? And we had an example of one named Luke of Antioch, Syria, who was a slave, born into a slave family and became a doctor in due time. There were masters who were Christians as well as, as slaves and small business owners. And when the Christian church met, there were no distinctions. And because they were properly taught, they knew that the field around the cross is a level one. For neither Jew nor Greek, nor bond nor free, nor male nor female in the kingdom of God, because all are one in Christ Jesus. But what happened when they went home? What happened when they went to their communities and back to work the next day? Did that relationship as brothers in Christ between the two continue on the job? And that's what we're looking at now. That's where we're continuing where we left off. With one more uh, thought, and that is that the Apostle Paul here, while he is speaking to 
masters of slaves and slaves of masters, is setting forth a biblical principle of work that is behind that, because after all, was that not, was not that relationship one couched in terms of accomplishing whatever needed to be accomplished in their day? And that is, of course, the back-breaking work of making buildings like the pyramids or like the aqueducts of Rome and so forth and so on. And of course, all this to say that there is an institution of work that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, in which Adam was given the task of dressing and keeping the garden. And his compensation for that was to be able to eat of all or any of the fruits of the, of the garden freely. Freely have received and freely give. And so that's where we left off and now continue. And I continue with the statement, work is good. People who don't have that attitude don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. In our case, in our passage that is before us, the Apostle Paul instructs both Christian slaves and Christian masters because it's got to begin somewhere. It's got to begin with the people that are there in the congregation because, like witnessing, you can talk to people and if they're not listening, if it's nothing to them, all you that pass by. So, we go with what we have, right? And we go with, of course, those who are in the Lord, who are walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And so it began, as I did last time now, with first, uh, again, taking up Christian slaves. Most is being um, uh, said about, uh, about them. Uh, there are more verses with regard to them than there are with regard to the Christian master last time I looked. One, two, three, four verses for the Christian slave and one verse for the Christian master. And so we begin there. You obey your employer as you do the Lord is really what we came down to last time. Ephesians 6, 5, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Do you sense the appeal on the part of the Apostle Paul to them to be the best slaves that they can be? Because the word servant there is the word for slave, actually. Yes, or your master. There are three things to consider to achieve a truly Christian, viable work ethic. Two things of those things are negative, the first two, and then the last is positive. The first, negative. Working with eye service. What does that mean? Verse 6. Not with eye service. What's that? Well, very simply, it's working only when the boss is looking. <laughs> Maybe you're smiling because you can relate to that. <laughs> uh, do you know anybody like that? Uh, besides yourself, perhaps, at one time? Uh, I have a story, and this is uh, hopefully to uh, uh, make the point, and it's by the one whom I've gotten some of my information from for this, uh, this particular sermon, Ray Stedman. He wrote, Some years ago, I read an account of a foreman in Africa who had several African nationals under him. He found that they were afflicted with this disease of eye service. 
They only worked when he watched them. But this particular foreman was the proud possessor of a glass eye, and he found that he could take his eye out of the socket and lay it on a stump where he could watch the men, and they would go right on working, <laughs> whether he was there or not. But one day, he came back to find them all lounging around. He had placed the eye on the stump, but one of the men had found a way to sneak around behind and had come up behind the eye and put his hat over it so that it no longer see, uh, saw them. It is that attitude that so widely pervades our society today. The idea of working only when the boss is watching. If you are a Christian, this is absolutely forbidden if you want to be faithful to your Lord, unquote. I would add this, there is another eye watching, even when your boss isn't, and that's found in Zechariah 4.10. Look it up, Zechariah 4.10. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. There's another negative consideration, and that is in our verse 6, back in Ephesians 6. So turn back to it. Not with eye service as men pleasers. Sadly, and all too often, typically, the attitude of the corporate world, or in the corporate world, and in the workplace, is buttering up the boss. You know what that means, buttering up the boss or kissing up to the management or getting good with the manager by developing a friendship. And what for? For the purpose of currying favor down the road. See? And I can give all kinds of illustrations, but I think of one that I encountered out with a relative who was a, a business owner who wanted to get contracts. And one of the things that would be done is to give an automobile to that company, be it a government company or an NGO, and, uh, and that for the purpose of getting the contract, right? It's done all the time in business, right? Everybody does it, right? And so the Christian does too. You scratch my back, and I'll scratch yours. Where is it, inch? <laughs> if you are a Christian and you do this, shame on you. You're in sin. And there's only one cure, and it's found in verse 6. And what is that? Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. What is the will of God? Whatever it is you're supposed to be doing. Right? That's the will of God. Doing the best job for your boss. It doesn't matter if he's an ogre. If he has got a whip that he cracks every day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's the will of God. Doing the best job for your heavenly father or heavenly master 
and not for your earthly master only. First, because if you do it heartily, as to the Lord and not unto men, you please God. That's the first thing, because he says, this is what you do to please me. And second, guess what? You also please men with a righteous way about you. And, and that because it's only right. And yeah, maybe initially they'll think that you're the one who's doing the one, uh, doing the buttering up of the box, okay? But who cares? Because you know that that's not your purpose. You know that you want to obey those that are over you in the workplace, even as you obey those who are over you elsewhere, be it at home, in the church, in your relationships, and so forth. And you will notice that when you obey the Lord by obeying your, your, your boss, those that are in your, um, in, your, in your company, others will also follow suit in time. And that will commend the faith in a way that nothing else will. Maybe you can't talk to them about the Lord, but by your example, they may become open to the gospel. And thirdly, there's a positive thing to consider, and that is for you to look up the road. Now, I, I, I know we, we, we usually say look, look down the road, okay? But there's a reason I, I chose that, because looking up means like the sheep that are being herded up the mountain uh, during the summer to the higher pastures, where it's cooler, like at Cuyamaca. There weren't any sheep there, but uh, I, I suspect that uh, that's the place that you want to herd your sheep, you know, in the summer. Uh, and, and, of course, that being a picture of, of glory one day. It says in verse 8 of Ephesians 6, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bought or free. So here... Apostle Paul is opening it up. Of course, he's considering masters who are not bond or slaves, but he's opening it up to all workers, whether they are a slave or not a slave in this present life. When you do your job as unto the Lord, it's amazing how God will have your back covered. The difficulty on the job that you're facing that's causing you consternation and grief at home. That's causing you to, to pour out your heart to your, your spouse, let's say. It's as if it never happened in the first place when you give it to the Lord, when you do it as unto the Lord. Those trying relationships with your boss or even your coworkers, especially your coworkers, especially your jealous or envious coworkers, is alleviated in a win-win sort of way instead of Someone getting fired. And when you, the Christian, do it as unto the Lord, as he would have you do it unto him, he is glorified through you. He is glorified through you. Even if nothing else happens of a positive nature in, in that work relationship, you know he did the right thing. You'd be like Joseph when he was in prison for all those years that he was in prison, serving the Lord in prison. Not really, of course, wanting to leave and wanting to be free, but, but living there as a Christian. So this is what happens when your ultimate goal and passion 
is the glory of God. He shines through you, in you and through you. As our Lord would put it, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Especially the good work of work. Next and last, we are going to consider the Christian masters. And there's not a whole lot being said by the Apostle Paul, all of one verse, right, as compared to four for the slave. It says, or he says to the Christian masters in the congregation, and you masters, you owners and those in the upper management, etc., do the same things unto them. The same thing? What do you mean by that, Paul? Do the same as the employees that I'm over? Obeying the employees like they're to obey me? Yes. But not by doing their work for them. Obey them by hearing what they have to say to make this a better workplace. Have a suggestion box. Not just a box where they put their suggestions in, but, but with some kind of a, a award, let's say, or some kind of prize, you know, for the best suggestion. You've got to be creative. You've got to think outside the box sometimes. And all this as part of your treating your employees right. And all this is part of making them feel that they are part of the company. I know that the Japanese have been very good at uh, doing this years and years ago. And, and their concept of providing for everything for their employees, even to a retirement place, and, and a good, healthy 401k was something that was not only doable, but something that, that worked. Something that worked. And it's all a part of this principle. You're thinking about them. You're even thinking about how they feel. And I'm just saying, well, how are you doing this morning? But you're actually concerned about maybe something that's going on in their life and at least what's going on in, the, in, in, in terms of the workplace and how you could help them so that they in turn can do their job. It says in Colossians 4, this is the other parallel passage, Colossians 4, Verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye shall have a master, you also have a master in heaven. Meaning, your master, your master, who is their master, is looking down at you. Yes, don't treat them as slaves, if you know what I mean by that or less than human. You have no right to exploit them. To use their sweat, the sweat on their brow to make you rich. Especially if you're a believer. You owe it to your fellow believing employees to treat them well. And for that matter, all your employees you are to treat well as a good testimony for Christ. So listen to their problems. Show concern for their needs. Try to do something about it. 
Maybe it's not a lot. Maybe it's something that is not going to really be uh, a, a big sacrifice, but, but even a little kindness goes a long ways. And then also forbear threatening, it goes on to say in that verse on, uh, uh, directed to masters in Ephesians 6, 9. And ye masters do the same thing unto them, forbearing threatening. What is that about? Don't motivate your workers with threats. You know, like a slave galley ship, you know, where they <laughs> threaten to whip you or maybe worse, throw you overboard. Or in this case, cutting their wages, reducing their hours if they're on a, uh, an hour, hourly and not a salary basis. Or taking away their benefits, firing them. You're not to behave that way. Although that's the way that the world behaves oftentimes. This only makes them more bitter, more angry, rebellious, doing things behind your back, pilfering, uh, eating the profits, if you know what I mean. And you know what? That's a big thing. Uh, theft in the workplace. Maybe some of that theft could be averted not just by having security in the store, but by having a boss who shows more compassion and understanding than most and actually is looking out for them because he knows that his investment in them is an investment in his company, but not just for that reason, because as a Christian, his investment is in their souls. They already know that they can lose their job if they don't do their job. So don't hold it over them. Like, have you heard of the sword of the, Mo the Mokleys? The Mokleys, yes. It's uh, a sword that is hanged by a thread. And then here comes someone with a cigarette, you know. And, and then down comes the sword. Don't hold that over them. Your working relationship should be one of mutual respect and not fear. And then lastly, looking at the road up ahead, verse 9 goes on, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. As I said, God is watching. And he isn't a respecter of persons, but he isn't partial to one employee versus another, in this case, uh, to one believer and to another. He loves all of his children the same. Even, as, even his untoward uh, children like like uh, a Peter when when he was denying the Lord, or a Paul when uh, he would do something like uh, uh, send a missionary John Mark uh, out of the mission field just I don't know out of anger. We're not sure, but he sends him home. He says I don't want him here, and then later he commends him. He says he's one of the best, and then he goes on to write one of the Gospels of Jesus Christ for the church. God is not impressed by who we are. He is not impressed by what we have, including the fact that others serve us. But Lord, this is not the church. This is business. I don't have to be gracious and kind here. There's work to be done, and that's all there is to it. Get to it. Servant or worker, didn't our Lord say, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these my brethren, you've done it unto me? And did he also say, inasmuch as you've not done it unto the least of these my brethren, you also did not do it unto me? 
What about that? When you are a worldly boss or owner, God, who sees everything, has a way of making that mansion or those vintage cars that you own. And I heard there's a lot of people who have a lot of vintage cars or, <laughs> as, as their, their hobby. And bursting bank accounts to become like an empty, hollow shell. <clears throat> Just as he has a way of making a Christian home with very little, but with righteousness to be filled with his love and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. But this doesn't mean that all poor are happy and all rich are, are sad either, does it? It all depends on what you do with that. It all depends on which road you are on finally. Are you on the road that is looking down the road? That is the broad road? Or are you on the road looking up the road, yea, the narrow road. That's the difference. You know what I'm talking about, right? Broad road that leads to destruction vis-a-vis -vis the uh, narrow road that leads into life. If either be that find it, may neither be that find therein the other, the former. I believe if Christians were to be more conscientious, or may I say God-conscious, and conscious of those around them and concern for others and are proactive employers and proactive employees that we as Christians can make a big difference in the workplace today. If you have eyes, you can see what's going on, right? I <laughs> go into stores and it's just amazing. Uh, some things that uh, if you have your, you know, your eyes open, you can see going on. I mean, seeing people walking out with carts full of steaks, walking out the door, and they're not even stopped. In fact, I'm, I, it was like I was back at uh, Albertsons in Alphabet. I was, I was starting to go after them and, and wanting to stop them. And someone said to me when I, when I asked about that, oh, no, we're not supposed to do anything about that. We're, we're just to let them walk off with a cart full of steaks that have not been paid for. And I said, what? You know, and I, I went and I actually talked to the manager, and, and he told me the same thing. The only one I didn't talk to was the director of the store. But that's how it has degenerated in our day. And you know what I'm talking about. I know you know. So we need to be the lights that Christ has called us to be everywhere, including where we work need to take dominion because our dominion is that of the Lord such as when he told Adam be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it we're to do that in our own right in our own place wherever he has put us you in your small corner as the hymn goes and I in mine Jesus bids us shine Jesus bids us shine so again work is good especially if you're a Christian like I said about Adam. How would that ever have been accomplished for Adam to do what God called him to do? It wasn't just to tend this little garden, by the way. It was to tend the whole world. That 
is what he was to have dominion over. Not Satan to have dominion over that, but Adam to have dominion over that. How would he ever have accomplished that without having this prospectus, this perspective? How will you get ahead in your life accomplishing it without work? How will you reach your vision or your dream or whatever that is that is your calling and mine without work? Let me give you one last scripture. And that is Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. In closing, Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which have no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gather her food in the harvest. I don't like to kill ants, but I had to do it yesterday because it was just so overwhelming what they were doing to our dining table. And I could not sit there and eat peacefully. <sighs> Those are ants, I tell you, but I have a high respect for them. And I have a catch and release policy, by the way. <laughs> How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When will thou arise out of thy sleep? Get a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. So watch out. You can only go so far in this life, and may I add, in the kingdom of God, otherwise. So will you be that sluggard? I pray not. Instead, be like the ant, shall we pray. Well, Father, thank you for our study of the importance of obeying those who are over us in the Lord, and most especially you, our Heavenly Master, in all that we do, and especially in the workplace. In Jesus' name.